to a bonus episode of the Church's Messy Podcast. I'm Svea Mary, Spiritual Formation Pastor, and glad to be here with Lead Pastor Rick Henderson. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Svea, how you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm. You know what? I'm doing great. I'm having a having a great week. Um, I'm getting excited to. Uh, I'm going on my very first uh, trip to Africa in a few days. Yeah. Um, and with my dear husband. With your and, dear husband, and yeah. man, it makes my wife so much uh, happier to know that he's going because he's uh, he's a great guy and he's a doctor and uh, <laughs> so she just feels a little bit more secure about uh, about him him being around I'm, I'm really looking forward to to that but we wanted to film this uh, film I, I'm a dummy uh, there's no film going on here we wanted to record this bonus episode of the church's messy podcast in response to the uh, most recent uh, sermon we gave really mm-hmm. just talking about a gospel approach to sexuality and really what we're talking about is what does it mean to follow Jesus with this major area of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some great conversations with folks um, before that and after that, and it's our hope that this uh, bonus episode would be helpful. Mm-hmm. The f- podcast is going to come back basically full time uh, late September, but this is this is a little extra. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're doing this. You want to say a little bit more about what's compelling you to make time in this busy week as you're preparing to leave the country. And, uh, and it wasn't something you were planning to do ahead of time. You even said that in the message that uh, you're preaching on money and sex and then leaving the country yeah, and there's that's... no time for follow-up. <laughs> that's but, right. Uh, but yeah. here we are. So what, what's what's behind this? What's compelling you to want to carve out some time in this week to, to address some more thoughts and questions? Yeah, that's a good question. I appreciate how you phrase that. What compels me is this, is that people have follow-up questions that um, urgently intersect with real-life stuff. And if there's any way that I can be helpful... And want to be helpful, and I believe that that this conversation that you and I are going to have has the potential uh, to be helpful. And yet, I recognize that people are coming to it from some very different places. And if it would be all right, let me just set the table and address some of the different people who are sitting at the table with us, yeah, lis- listening to this conversation. There are those folks who are saying, "I'm I'm not yet a follower of Jesus. Don't even know if I want to follow Jesus." I really am curious what you guys have to say, especially about about this subject. And and I just want to say to you, welcome to the conversation. Um, there are a number of things that we're going to say that I believe make zero sense whatsoever mm-hmm. without the understanding that this life is not all there is. Jesus actually rose from the dead. We are made in his image. And because we're made in his image, the best life possible is the kind of life that honors him, uh, reflects him. Um, aligns with the design and lives happily inside of all the boundaries that he created for us. That means I don't get to be the authority of my life. You don't get to be the authority of your life. Jesus is the authority, and he is a he is the authority that wants to take us deeper and deeper into unconditional love and just unabashed joy. Mm-hmm. And so a number of things that we're going to say make zero sense without that framework, mm-hmm. make zero sense unless what I just said is absolutely true. And so if you kind of raise an eyebrow and you're thinking, man, that's weird. Why would you say that? It's because we are convinced in the truth of Jesus. And that hinges on the resurrection. Uh, this life is not all there is. So we're, we're all about him. And so uh, we approach this subject as though it's a lot bigger than just this subject. Mm-hmm. Then some other people who might be sitting at the table with us in this conversation are people who are saying, I feel like maybe I'm on the outside looking in. I feel like maybe I'm ignored or I feel like 
you are approaching this as though I don't even exist. And these are folks who would identify, um, they, they, they would identify with LGBTQ plus um, one, of, one of those labels and say, that's my identity. I'm somewhere on the transgender uh, spectrum. And, and I, wanna, I wanna talk about that in an honoring way. And if I accidentally say that in a way that comes across as demeaning, it's not my intent. My intent is 100% to be, to be honoring and kind and loving. Or people would say, no, my identity is same sex. Uh, attracted and so where where do I fit in this in this conversation and what I want to say at the front end which is probably going to uh, cause some Christians to spit their coffee out so hang with <laughs> me for a second is it's not my goal for to get anybody to become heterosexual it's not my goal at all and I don't believe it's Jesus goal to get people to change their sexual orientation I think the goal is to become oriented to Jesus and then trust him as he transforms us to become more like who he is and what he intended for us to be. Mm -hmm. It is totally okay for someone to live their life and you can live a full and thriving life and never enter into the covenant of marriage, one man and one woman for life. That's not the goal, and yet it is a, it's a beautiful gift that God has given to us. And so the most fulfilled and joy-filled human who ever lived never participated in that. I'm talking about Jesus. And mm -hmm. so um, now what I'm saying is not like a backdoor way of saying that um, anything contrary to that is uh, aligns with what it means to follow Jesus. I'm not saying that. Um, but you don't have to say, that's what I'm signing up for. I want to get married if you're a woman that you're going to marry a man or that you're a man that you're going to uh, marry a woman. You don't have to do that to be a fully devoted, joy-filled, 100% fulfilled follower of Jesus. Okay, that's think... not required. I think it'll be helpful for you to maybe say a little bit more mm -hmm. about that and to to flesh that out a little bit more because what you're you're saying I think if I'm understanding you correctly is yeah. that you're trying to get at the difference between maybe the way that someone feels or the way they mm -hmm. feel oriented That's with right. the way that they're actually expressing their sexuality. That's right. And, and you're drawing a clear line yeah. in the sand that a biblical view of sexuality is between mm -hmm. one man and one woman in the context of marriage for That's life. That's right. That's right. And yet your goal is not to tell everyone that they need to be That's right. married to a an opposite gender spouse Abs for life. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. That's exactly what I, that's exactly what I'm saying, and so there are people who um, there are people who love Jesus, um, who are loved by Jesus, and they would say, "I experience experience same sex." Attraction. It doesn't mean that you're on the outside looking in. You get to follow Jesus too. Uh, there are people um, who have um, who are struggling with all kinds of things that would lead them to be outside. If you were here at the message or you watched the message online, we drew a circle. Mm -hmm. It said inside of this circle is everything that God intends for appropriate, holy, God-honoring uh, sexuality. Everything outside of the circle would be contrary to that, would be sin. Uh, the Greek word for that is, is porneia. Uh, the biblical word for that is sexual immorality. Everybody has things that would woo them towards or pull them towards something outside of the circle. The goal is not to get everybody inside of the circle to get married. The goal is to follow Jesus. And as I follow Jesus, if I'm going to engage in sexual activity only in the way that Jesus described, but I don't have to, mm -hmm. I don't have to engage in sexual activity to also be a fulfilled 
uh, person who's experiencing the kind of life that Jesus wants to give. And so I hope that that's not muddy. Maybe it comes across as muddy. Maybe I'm not as good a communicator as I want to be in trying to communicate that. But let me just pause. Where are we at with that right now? I think that's a helpful clarification. And I think you're, you're, you're speaking about two topics simultaneously, where there's our approach to sexuality, mm-hmm. and then there's our actual practice of sexuality. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of sitting in a number of classes at Oxford University with a woman who's brilliant. Her name is Elaine Storkey. And she was involved in a debate. And it was a debate of people from all over the sexual spectrum. And she was supposed to represent heterosexuals. And she said, I'm not a heterosexual. She said, I'm an alanosexual. She's like, I'm not just attracted to men. I'm attracted to my husband, Alan. <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to be defined mm. as being attracted to men. I ha- I'm in a covenant with this dude mm. and I'm attracted to him, right? That's very helpful. And I, I just thought, Elaine, my goodness, what a, there's, that's not, some people might say, well, that's naive. I don't know. That is, that's like, you are deep into what covenant means mm-hmm. and say, I've closed off my heart and my mind to one person. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that is, that's amazing. That's something to, that's something to, to seriously, to seriously consider. And so part of that is why I say, it's not my goal to get people to become heterosexual. It's my, it's my goal to, to help people want to become oriented to Jesus and to follow him in the, in life as he defines it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I realize the way that I say that sometimes might feel a little bit slippery. I get that. But if you kind of keep listening, I think you'll hear, I'm not saying, a homosexual lifestyle, Jesus is not going to lead you to that. Uh, a lifestyle of serial monogamy, Jesus is not going to lead you that. A lifestyle of engaging in sexual activity with people who you really deeply care for and they really deeply care for you, but you're not inside the covenant of marriage, Jesus is not going to lead you to that. I mean, mm-hmm. he is super, super clear. Mm-hmm. But the goal is not to get everybody to a particular expression of sexuality. The goal is to discover life in Jesus and to follow him. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. So I think a number of the the questions and comments Mm -hmm. that have arisen from this then is how to, as a Jesus follower, regard Mm -hmm. people who maybe aren't there yet. Who maybe aren't yet seeing that uh, sure. that my approach to my mm-hmm. sexuality is about what Jesus is leading me to, and if He's not leading me to it, it's something that's not healthy, and not in in my ultimate best interest. So, mm-hmm. how do we relate to someone who's who's engaged in a lifestyle that's outside of that circle in a way that's wise and loving towards that person? Yeah, um, I don't know if I'm answering this question in the way that that you intend, and if I if I whiff on it, you gotta <laughs> you gotta let me know. Sometimes I wonder, can I really relate to everybody? I want to, but mm. there are some there's some people that I just may not be able to relate to in a way that they deserve. And it's not because there's something wrong with them. It's because I'm limited. And what I would encourage, I would encourage folks to say who are like, Rick, I don't agree with you. I'm offended by you. Um, I, I don't like what you have to say. I think it's too narrow-minded. I think it's too close off. You don't get me. You don't understand me. I want to understand. I may not be able to. And if I don't understand, it's not because it's a problem with you. It's a problem with me. But I would encourage you um, to avail yourself to people who I'm convinced probably do understand. People like Jackie Hill Perry, Sam Alberry, Christopher Yuan, Rosaria mm-hmm. uh, Butterfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all people who 
um, would say, listen, I experienced same-sex attraction. I lived that lifestyle. I was all about that lifestyle. Jesus fundamentally changed my life. I think you owe it to you to hear their story. Mm -hmm. And And to be clear, these are authors and bloggers. That's right. That's right. mm -hmm. That's right. Um, I think you owe it. I think you owe it to you to hear their story because their story might might intersect with your story and you would know how Jesus changed their life. And but for folks who who are who feel tense, right? They're like, oh man, this just doesn't feel right. And they want to hear, they want to hear somebody in my position, they want to hear a pastor say, this approach to life is okay. Mm. Let me say this. If I don't have the authority to condemn something, I don't have the authority to affirm it either. If I don't have the authority to condemn a lifestyle choice, neither do I have the authority to applaud or affirm that lifestyle choice either. All I could do is choose to be complicit or to conform. Okay, say more about that, because I think there would be many Christians who would say that you do have the authority to condemn what the Bible defines as outside of the circle. But what I'm really talking to, I'm really talking to are are the folks who are coming from the perspective, you don't have any right to say that this is wrong. Mm. Who are you to say that this is wrong? How could anybody ever say that's wrong? And 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 you got to shout down people in our society who would disagree. Listen, I hear where you're coming from. I want to respect you. I want to honor you. I don't want to fight you. But if I'm not allowed to, if I don't have the authority to say that that's that that's wrong, then there's absolutely zero weight behind me saying, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, I see what you're saying. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. If you want everybody to say this is good and you immediately discount anybody who say that that it's wrong, then there is absolutely no weight, no meaning to their affirmation. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you're not speaking from a scriptural standpoint. You're saying from a societal standpoint. From a societal <laughs> standpoint. If I don't have the ability to say something something is wrong, then me affirming it has zero weight whatsoever. It is vacuous. It is empty. Mm-hmm. It is hollow. And I think it's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but I think it's a contributing factor why people are... The affirmation is not enough. Mm-hmm. It is never. It is never enough because it is by definition hollow, because no one is allowed to disagree from a societal perspective. Okay, so I'm gonna table my original question and, and okay. we'll come back to that later, because let me ask you a, a, a follow-up to what you just said. What would you say to the person who is a Jesus follower mm-hmm. and wants to engage in meaningful conversation with people who are not believers, who do not accept a biblical sexual ethic? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe her response in this is, I'm intimidated or afraid to even engage in a conversation with this because it feels like they're going to come back at me and say I'm just being intolerant or dismissive of of what they believe is right for them. And uh, and how how can a Christian engage in meaningful conversation over topics as important as this in a way that um, that's helpful, mm-hmm. that's wise, that's loving. Uh, that shows acceptance for people without necessarily going as far as showing approval. Yeah, I, well, I think it's one acceptance and approval. We have to remember they're they are totally different things. Mm-hmm. I, I've really been racking my brain trying to figure out is who would I not accept? Who should I not accept? Hmm. And 
there are lots of behaviors that are that I can't approve of. There are lots of behaviors in life about all kinds of things that are that are unacceptable. I mean, some of my own behaviors are are are, are unacceptable. Um, but I can't think of a person who's not acceptable. Hmm. And for for a believer, I think we need to start there because we understand if you are a follower of Jesus, you understand that we are by nature enemies of God. We are by nature's deserving of his just wrath in response to our sin and our rejection of his authority and, and our rebellion and, and all of that kind of stuff. And God in his kindness loved us. Do you not know that it's his loving kindness that draws you to repentance, that God accepted us even though there was nothing on our own that des- that deserved that? I want to be that way to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm great at it, um, but I want to be that way to other people. I want to love other people in the way um, that Jesus has loved me. Mm-hmm. I, so let's just, let's just start there. And let's remember, acceptance and approval are totally different things. Um, number two, I think it's I think it's helpful to remember you don't gotta bring it up. <laughs> you don't have to. I have to. As the pastor, I have to. Mm. It's my job. I owe it to the people of this church and this community and anybody who we have influence with to talk openly and honestly about what it means to follow Jesus in every aspect of our life, to teach the Bible with clarity. Um, I owe that to people. I have to bring. I have to. I have to bring money up. <laughs> I have yeah. to bring. Um, sexuality up. I have to I have to bring up the subject of forgiveness and and gossip and I have to bring up all kinds of subjects. You don't have to bring it up. What you do have to do is to love that person. Be a great friend. Um, if it's a family member, be a tremendous family member in the in the role that that you have with them. Be a tremendous neighbor, be a tremendous coworker. Um, uh, a, a fellow mom on the snack team at, after the soccer game, whatever whatever that role is, be great, right? Mm-hmm. Be a be a tremendously loving person, and as the subject comes up, or if it's appropriate to bring it up, or as the subject comes up, engage primarily with love and do your best to engage with wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so when like I don't like just go around bringing this subject up with people that I know, but when I when I when I know that I've earned the right to talk to them because they ask me stuff. Mm. And that's one of the ways that we know that people want to hear what we have to think is they ask. If they're not asking, I have no reason to believe that they want they want to hear what we think. But if they're asking, then I'm going to say things like this. And this is a snapshot into some of the conversations we have. I love you. I know that I have a perspective on this that's very different different from you. I know that I have a perspective on this that is probably very difficult for you to hear. I just want you to know that I love you. I don't believe that this is going to lead you to what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to have everything that you want. I actually believe everything that you're desiring, God gave you those desires. I just don't think this path is going to fulfill it in the way that you want. Mm -hmm. And I know it hurts to hear that from me. And it hurts me to know that I'm hurting you. I just love you. And I want you to know that I'm always going to be the kind of friend that loves you enough to tell the truth, even if it hurts, but it hurts me to know that it hurts you. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do that, do that. But you don't have to bring it up. And yet there are times that we can't avoid it. We can't avoid it when it's our kids. We can't avoid it when it's a family member. We can't avoid it when it's a dear friend. Uh, we can't avoid it when somebody um, is understandably desperate 
to hear our affirmation and our approval. Uh, we can't avoid it when you're in the workplace and uh, there's a card put in front of you and you're asked to sign a congratulations on your upcoming marriage when it's a same-sex marriage. Um, you can't avoid it when someone asks you, would you come and join? Would you be a part of my mm-hmm. of my wedding? Would you, would you come and attend? There are things that we can't avoid. And I would just say that in those times, you, if you are a Jesus follower, you're going to look for, you're going to look for a passage. You're going to look for a verse that's going to tell you what to do in that moment. <laughs> Let me tell you what you're not going to find, a passage to tell you what to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because what we don't need is a set of rules. Jesus has already given us everything that we need. Number one, love God with all of who you are. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second command is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tells this incredibly challenging story of this, the, parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan that says that, you know, we should love others in a, in a self-sacrificial, mm. generous way. Um, later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul just said, hey, the whole law boils down to this, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake by trying to be the most loving person you can be. Mm. And in our culture, when people hear, just be loving, it gets filtered through well, what love feels like. And, and it's highly emotional, and everybody gets to define it for themselves. But when we as believers say it, when in doubt, do whatever you're convinced is the most loving thing to do, as exemplified by Jesus and as defined by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Do that. Um, I Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is the way that you would approach loving someone different, whether that person is a believer or a non-believer. I mean, you mentioned there are certain cases such as like if, if the situation that we're facing involves our child yeah. or, or a close family member or mm-hmm. something that, mm-hmm. that we can't just ignore it. There are times when we're going to have to become a little bit more in the mud mm-hmm. in some of these situations and, and maybe not even just LGBTQ issues, sure. but, yeah. but uh, you know, any kind of activity that's outside the circle. Yeah, I think the majority, uh, the majority of people who are listening, it's probably not going to be like this hot political, uh, politicized topic and and socially um, provocative topic um, like LGBTQ issues. A lot of times, it's just going to be. And let, let me tell you, from from my years of being a pastor and a youth pastor, it's going to be um, Christian singles who are just giving Jesus the stiff arm, and they're just they're just going to be sexually active. And that is just as much out. That is just as much sin as any other, mm-hmm. as any other sexual sin. Um, so my answer to your question is yes and no. Okay. Um, Explain. So it's no in the sense that the way that we love people is always the same. What's in their best interest? Um, we want to serve what is in their best interest. That is the same for every person. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. You know what? We are going to be committed to serving what's in their best interest. Now, what's in the best interest of different people is sometimes going to look different. Mm. And what the context of the relationship is going to be different. The way that I engage my daughter in this is going to be different than the way that I would engage someone that I'm more of an acquaintance with because it's the because we have a different relationship. So let me just pause there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Are, are we there? All right. So can I hit me again and make, make sure that I'm staying on the rails with this conversation? Would you relate differently to someone who's a believer than to someone who's a non-believer? Oh, yeah. I Listen, I think the Apostle Paul is incredibly helpful. He said, who am I to judge those who are outside the church? 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, why would I judge you? Why would I why would I impose the standard of being a Jesus follower on someone who's not a Jesus follower? You don't follow Jesus. Why would I why would it relate to you as though you do? That makes mm-hmm. zero sense. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say to what I would say to to someone who's not a follower of Jesus, and I'll I'll keep it I'll keep it kind of general and then help me make it more specific okay. if, if you think that that would be helpful is listen I get it I to- I totally get it I'm li- what I've based my life on is different from what you based your your life on and I get that there are things about my life that that don't make sense I want you to be happy I want you to be fulfilled I want you to know that it I that it does warm my heart to know that there's somebody who you care about and who cares about you what I think you're going to discover is that's not going to lead you to what you ultimately want. Mm. Because I believe that you were made in the image of God and he loves you. And that while we can all monkey with our own rules for living, and we can all come up with our own our our own our own moral boundaries, our own sexual boundaries, our own our own rules for life, what none of us can do is redefine consequences. Mm. And I think what you're going to keep bumping up against is that you were designed for something different from what than what you're living for, and it's inescapable. And I believe you're going to find tremendous joy when you know Jesus. Now, I'm given that, that's not exactly how the conversation goes, but I'm trying to paint a general outline of the kinds of things that I want to communicate. Sure. Does no, that make that's, sense? That's very helpful. Let me throw out a phrase uh-huh. that we hear in uh, in the Christian world. Are you going to get me and, in trouble? Well, I'm not intending to get you in trouble, but I, I want to throw something out and get your reaction to this. Mm-hmm. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's that's unpleasant. I listen. I grew up in <laughs> you a culture. Need a bottle of water. I, I, and I, I, listen. I grew, what you mean I grew by up that. in a culture. We all had that tattooed on our brains, and, and that was the kind of. I used to say that ad nauseum. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's horrible. Okay, why do you hate that so much? Well, number one, I've ever, I've never actually seen that way of thinking result in actually loving people more. Hmm. It's always turned into uh, a license for being unkind. Okay. Right. And here's the other thing, I, as I read the New Testament, as I read Jesus, as I read Paul and Peter and John and James and and, and the things that that Luke wrote and what's happening in the early church, and I'm I'm just just trying to steep myself in that. I don't find anyone ever being encouraged to hate other people's sin. Hmm. Okay. Say more about that. That's helpful. That the that the more we understand Jesus and the more we understand the good news and all that He made us for is that we grieve our sin. So if there's any sin you're going to hate, hate your sin. Mm. By all means, love the sinner. Hate your own sin. Love the sinner. Grieve your own sin. Mm. Um, Someone said this to me one time, and I think they are dead on the money. And in the moments of my life that I remember this, it's always better. I will always be more disappointed with my failures than I am with yours. Hmm. I'll never be more disappointed in you than I am in me. Hmm. Um, I wish I wish that I was the kind of guy that 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 was. <laughs> I lived more aligned with that. Hmm. But the moments that I am aligned with that, I really like that a lot better. Yeah. 
And I just don't want to be about getting mad at people about their sin. When Jesus stood outside of Jerusalem, he wept. He didn't have a poster board. He wasn't protesting. You guys are the worst. Hmm. You make me sick. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Hmm. He just didn't do that. He wept because he wanted better for them than they wanted for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really, that's a, that's one of the hardest places to be when you love someone, when you want better for them than they, when they want for them, than they want for themselves. And so um, when I see, listen, it doesn't have to be about sex. It could be about anything. It could be about anything. Um, and I'm mad at somebody because of what they think or what they do. And I'm really mad about their sin. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm following Jesus in that moment. Mm. I think I've lost sight of Jesus. I think I'm disconnected from the heart of Jesus. The right response is to be brokenhearted for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. I love you, and it just breaks my heart for how this hurts you. If that's not our response, whatever it is. It's not a Christian response. Mm-hmm. It's not a gospel response. It's I mean, let's talk to Christians real quick. That's a carnal response. Mm-hmm. That's a fleshly response. That's not a response that's that's about what God's about. God has the right to be to judge sin. He has the right to be angry at sin. He has the right to do all of those things. That's above my pay grade. Uh, I don't want that job. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the appropriate thing is for me to be brokenhearted over my sin. Be brokenhearted for people because of the impact of sin in their lives, but not to be angry at them or to be angry at their sin, especially. Mm. I, I don't want to come across and say that there's never it's never okay to be angry at someone, um, but I just don't think it's healthy to be angry about other people's sins and the way that I see it in American church culture. Well, just as we picture what kind of a community of Mm -hmm. Jesus followers we want to be, it is so much more compelling to think about being part of a body Mm -hmm. that wants to take Mm -hmm. seriously our own individual sin, to set that kind of an example, where I I take seriously my own brokenness, my Mm -hmm. own shortcomings, and and I hurt for you when you're grieving your sin, Mm -hmm. rather than being part of a community of judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. Where do I'm going to turn a blind eye to the the uh, the log in my eye, <clears throat> while I let you know all about the speck that I see in yours. But let's focus first on ourselves and our own sin. Do you know why we get? Do you know why why it becomes a part of of church culture sometimes? Um, why we why we get mad at other people's sins? Tell me, because um, <laughs> we like our sins better than we like their sins. Mm. That's true. We we make peace with the ones yeah. that we do. <laughs> we're yeah. We are uh, we're just a little too comfortable with our own sins. We're not comfortable with their sins, and the truth is we shouldn't be comfortable with ours either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we need to we need to. Uh, in Galatians five, I think the Apostle Paul is just awesome, and how he talks about this war that's going on inside of us between desires that come to us naturally and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And as we trust and follow him, um, this is what happens. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control inside of us. And man, I, I love that. I want to be 
more, I want to be more like that. Um, I don't, I just, based on what the Apostle Paul says, I just don't think that um, that following Jesus and really following the lead of the Holy Spirit in our lives is going to make me a little bit more grumpy and angry at mm-hmm. other people's sins. It's going to make me more, it's going to make me more loving and it's going to make me more grieved over my own sin and grieved for people with the sin that's wreaking havoc in their lives. So, <clears throat> excuse me, something that, that came to mind as you're talking about this is another part of Christian culture often mm-hmm. is the concept of holding people accountable yeah, and even having accountability partners. Mm-hmm. And yet the greatest accountability partners I've had in my life have not been people that just come out of the blue to tell me what I'm doing wrong, but mm-hmm. are the people that I've given permission to go deep into my life. The That's people right. that I've said, I want to be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that a support of maybe what you're saying, that uh, that a truly good accountability practice within the church is not a spirit of judgmentalism oh, for yeah. what we see, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's individual saying, mm-hmm. I am willing to be vulnerable about my own sin, about my own relationship, and I give you access to my life. Accountability is only invited, it's never imposed. Mm. Right. Um, if it's uh, something has gone terribly wrong, terribly wrong, if it's imposed, mm-hmm. um, it's ugly, um, it's controlling, it's painful. Um, it is not. It is not life giving. Now there are examples where accountability does have to be imposed. But that's because someone is so out of bounds that they are in danger to themselves and and to and to others. Let me use let me use myself as an example. Let's just pretend that I was making some really bad choices and I was unrepentant. Well, the um, the elders of our church would have to impose accountability on me because I'm not I'm not voluntarily signed up for that. So those are some rare ex- examples, and I just want to I just want to acknowledge that. But this is the way real life works. It's invited in. Mm-hmm. It's not imposed, and you got to be vulnerable. And you build that level of trust over time. And then you both choose, or all sides choose, to step into that together. So how does this concept then help to maybe give a little bit fuller picture to the Autumn Ridge value that we have mm-hmm. about we want people to be able to belong here before they believe yeah. that we're not expecting them to act like we act or think like we think That's right. to be accepted here. That's right. We want. Uh, I want us to be the kind of church, I want us to be the kind of congregation where people who aren't sure where they stand with Jesus or know what they want to do with Jesus or know what they believe to come and hear more and experience what it's like to be around our community and to be a part of our community, uh, to hear the gospel and and get all the benefits of that as they are evaluating whether or not they want to trust in Jesus. And so we're not going to put any pressure on them. We're not going to put any expectations on them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Is that, am I, am I doing a good job of saying that when you, when I say that, tell me what you hear, tell me what's, tell me what's missing or tell me what's like the, uh, the yeah, but question. Uh, I, I think the yeah, but, is the tension mm-hmm. that is somewhat intentionally there with taking mm-hmm. truth seriously. Mm-hmm. And for people that say we are a Bible-believing church, mm-hmm. we don't apologize for mm-hmm. ascribing total authority to Scripture and the truth of God's Word. That's right. And uh, and we don't want to give anyone the false impression that we're just trying to, uh, to soften mm-hmm. the lines of truth. Mm-hmm. And so when we tell someone you're, you, you can belong here before you believe, you are wanted. Mm-hmm. You are wanted. You are welcome. 
Uh, we love having you around. You don't have to agree with us to be loved and welcomed by us. You don't have to agree with us about anything to be wanted by us. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets back to the what you were saying before about mm-hmm. the difference between be, something being acceptable mm-hmm. versus being approved of. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so every single person, every single person who who comes to to join at Autumn Ridge Church for, for worship or to come to a small group or some sort of event, we all have things in our lives that we don't even approve of. <laughs> we all have things in our lives that we know that nobody should approve of. And yet this is where we find acceptance. Mm-hmm. And we are all acceptance magnets. Mm-hmm. We hunger for it. We were made for it. And so we should freely give it to each other. We love you not because of anything you do or don't do, but because of your humanity. You are made in the image of God. We love you mm-hmm. and we value you. All right. So let me throw out a scenario. Let's mm-hmm. say that uh, Steve and I go attend the wedding of a, a gay friend couple or maybe mm-hmm. go to a housewarming party for a heterosexual couple that's moving in together and they have no mm-hmm. plans to get married. Yeah. And someone else here from church sees us engaging in that kind of relational behavior and, and their response to us is to come to us and say, you know, I don't agree with what you did. Yeah. I think you're yeah. you're showing approval for a, a behavior that's outside of the circle of, mm-hmm. of what God call, calls good. How would you advise us to respond to our Christian friends when they're questioning behavior such as that? Two things. First of all, they're not questioning. They're they're making statements. Okay, fair point. <laughs> and uh, there are lots of people who I've experienced who just love to make statements and they don't ask questions. And we're going to come back to that in a second. First, let me say this. We all have to make judgment calls. There is no chapter and verse that you're going to go to in the New Testament that says, yes, go to that wedding. No, don't go to that wedding. Yes, go to the housewarming party. No, don't go to the housewarming party. We are called to live by love. And we're also called to live with wisdom. Wisdom cannot be reduced to rules. If you try to reduce uh, wisdom to rules, you are going to go mad. Mm-hmm. You cannot come up with enough rules. And and eventually, just about any rule that you and I are going to make, make up is going to prove to be inadequate given the right set of circumstances. Live with love and live with wisdom as defined by Jesus and as molded and shaped by rigorous study of his word. So let me just start there. You're going to make judgment calls. Sometimes we're going to get those judgment calls right. Sometimes we're going to get those judgment calls wrong. I mean, listen, let me go back to what I, let me say something that, I, that I've said to my kids quite a bit. You don't have to agree with the decisions that I make. Um, you don't have to like them. You don't even have to, you don't, you don't even have to believe that they're right. What I'm asking you to trust is everything that your mom and I do, we do because we love you. Mm-hmm. So that's our motivation. Maybe we're going to get stuff wrong. Let me promise you, we are going to get some stuff wrong. We're going to get stuff wrong while aiming at love. I'm just saying aim at love and aim at wisdom. Mm. And if you get it wrong, okay, you're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. You're going to be okay. Everybody else is going to be okay. Just aim at love and wisdom. Good-hearted, intelligent, well-meaning people are going to disagree on what decision to make from time to time. I get that. For those people who are coming to you and say, hey, we don't agree with that, uh, number one, knock it off. <laughs> knock it off. Don't do that. If you see somebody doing something that you don't think is good or you don't understand or you're like, I don't think I could do that, s- 
start off by seeking to understand instead of trying to be understood. Mm. Seek to understand instead of uh, trying to be understood. And if that sounds intelligent or if that sounds familiar, it's because it comes from Stephen Covey. <laughs> Seek to understand before um, being understood. So go and ask a question. Hey, um, I bet that was a difficult decision to make. What are some of the things that led you uh, to to be mm. able to say, yeah, this is, this is what I think the best thing is to do? Mm-hmm. Start there. Mm-hmm. That is a friendly way to engage someone. That's a kind way to engage someone. That's a loving way to to engage someone. How about just be curious? Yeah, I bet it was a hard situation. Yeah, questions launch conversations. Statements yeah. end them. That's right. <laughs> I bet it was difficult. I man, I'm curious. How how did you think about that? What influenced you? How did you how did you get there? Um, because maybe that person has some insight that I don't have, and it would be helpful for me to know. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to agree at the end of the day. You are allowed to disagree. If I was invited um, by someone uh, to go to uh, to a same-sex marriage, I probably would go. Not because not because I approve of that or because I think it's consistent with what, with what God intends. It's because, man, I want to do whatever I can do to keep that relationship open. Mm. And, um, and I, and I want that person to know that I love them. And here's the thing. If you know me and I'm close enough to you that you would invite me to your wedding, you know what I think, Mm. you know, you know what I believe. Like, I don't think it's a mystery. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and so I'm coming. What I'm saying is you and I don't have to agree for me to, for me to make clear. I love you. Mm. I love you. Period. Full stop. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's not love for an agenda. It's love is the agenda. Mm-hmm. Love's the agenda. Um, and it's powerful and it's life changing and it's good and it's what we were made for. So that's why I want, I just want to, I want to love people. And anyone who says, Rick, I don't know if I can get on board with that, I get it. I understand. You might be right, I might be wrong. I'd love to hear more about how you got to that place, mm-hmm. right? You might have something that's helpful That's helpful for me. I'm trying to live life understanding there's a significant difference between acceptance and approval. Mm-hmm. And the only people I've ever experienced who don't really understand that are highly judgmental church people. Mm-hmm. And people ask me things like this. If I, if I invite, and it, it could be a, it could be about all kinds of different dif- disagreements. If I invite these people over to my house, what does that say? It says you're kind. <laughs> if, if I invite them over for dinner, what does that say? It says you're nice. Mm-hmm. It says that you're friendly, that you want to have a relationship with them. Um, I, I, When someone serves me a delicious meal and invites me into their home, I don't take that to mean they agree with me about everything in my life. Mm-hmm. I take that to mean that they care about me and they want to have a relationship with me. And it is a gift to be invited into their world and to be served in that way. Wow. That's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Can we just remember that's what it is. (laughs) That's what, that's what, that's what's going on here. Now, if you believe, if I believed that the person who invited me invited me um, to go as an affirmation of that lifestyle or those choices, then I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. If I believe that my presence is going to communicate 
powerfully, significantly something that I don't want it to communicate, I'm going to have an honest conversation with them. And mm. So if it's you, if you're inviting me and, you know, we're just, you know, having this imaginary scenario, I'm going to say, listen, I love you. And, oh, it hurts me to even bring this up. Super awkward for me to bring this up. I feel really insecure right now. <laughs> I'm in this awkward space where I don't know how to, I don't know how to resolve it. I feel like me being there communicates this. And really all I want to communicate is I'm your friend and I love you and I want the best for you. Mm-hmm. If they're a friend, be honest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think this comes close to resolving all the emotions and all the different possible scenarios. Just try, doing my best to try to aim at love and wisdom. Well, I really appreciate that. And, and I appreciate it in the message that you didn't go through a list of, of rules mm-hmm. or trying to give specific responses to specific questions. And we're not really attempting to do that mm-hmm. here on this uh, bonus podcast episode either. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I didn't but, know this was so emotional for you. <laughs> I'm just getting all choked up. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and one of my, my favorite mm-hmm. lines in the message was when you said, the question is not what are the rules, it's who rules. Yeah. And I just thought that was tremendously powerful. And, mm. uh, and noticed that there were people around me in the congregation that there was a couple of audible gasps of, like, oh, yeah. Mm. And, and when we reframe this whole topic with that as our perspective, that this isn't just, uh, you know, micromanaging behavior, Mm -hmm. but rather we're ascribing authority to the one who has the authority Mm -hmm. and we're seeking to follow Jesus in every aspect Mm -hmm. of our lives, that that brings so much more clarity in, in a, a bright way to bring light Mm -hmm. into all of these different topics. Um, Can I go back to this real quick? Sure. We're temples. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We bring God's presence with us. Mm. That doesn't make us something special about us. There's something special about him. And in his kindness, he says, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we get to bring his presence with us. And we are told that we are his ambassadors. Mm-hmm. If I if I limit my social circle and my connections to people who only agree with me, then I'm saying, God, I'm not willing to participate in you and bringing this incredible good gift to people who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a part of that. I'm like, I'm jealous for those opportunities. I long for those opportunities. I can't get enough of those opportunities. There is so much, there's so much hurt in this world. There's a lack of gentleness in this world. There's so much judgmentalism in this world. Um, There's so many things in this world to lament that God would look at us and say, listen, you are my people. You are my ambassadors. I want to use you to let people know how much I love them. Mm-hmm. You get to bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Man, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to limit that. And if there are grumpy Christians who are going to judge me for that, I can live with their disappointment. <laughs> I can live with it. What I can't live with is a missed opportunity to honor the king. Yeah. Can't live with that. Well said. So as we do seek to honor God, to Mm -hmm. honor the king, to let his light shine into all of the different areas and aspects of our life, and as we seek to focus our own life Mm -hmm. on grieving our own sin, Mm -hmm. on on focusing on what God calls us to and what he says is good, there will inevitably be things that we may have to give up or... Yeah. Acknowledge that there may be some sacrifices that we have to make or some painful denials 
of ourselves. And let me ask you a punchy question. Okay. Is our church ready yet to be the kind of church that is there to support people as they're wanting to do this kind of hard work in their own lives to maybe give up a relationship that's meaningful to them or Mm -hmm. to wrestle through what it is that God is really seeking to do some deep work in their lives. Are we ready as a church to be that kind of church, to walk alongside people that are going through these kinds of messes that are ready to support people that's going to be a safe place for them to be? Hmm. I want to answer that question by, (laughs) I hit the microphone. Sorry about that. Um, Let me first just say this. As as the pastor, um, I'm privileged to have the opportunity to regularly speak to our church. Um, And as the pastor, there are times that I get to speak for our church. Um, This is one of those times um, that I don't, I want to speak to our church, but I don't want to speak for our church. This is what it it takes for any church to say yes. Mm. And as people who are listening to this, they get to decide if they're willing to say yes. That's what, that's what I want to be. Um, here are a few of the things that would be required. I think number one is primarily just be in love with Jesus. Two, um, grieve your own sin more than you are angry at anybody else's sin. Mm-hmm. Um, um, love others in the way that you love them. And don't be afraid of messiness. Mm-hmm. Just don't be afraid of messiness. we got to remember the goal isn't to get people to be like us. Um, the goal is to do a good job of helping people see Jesus so that they can trust in and follow him. Um, if people who I know disagree with us, if they're still with us, let me just kind of recap. Um, we've got to decide what life is. Is this life all there is or is there more to it? Did Jesus really rise from the dead or did he not? If this life is not all there is, Jesus rose from the dead. We got to defer to him, not to ourselves. He's the authority. We're not. He has the right to challenge us. And if you're wanting me to say something that's accommodating or more affirming, I understand that. I'm not able to. Um, and yet, right, if I don't have the right to, to say that something's wrong, neither do I have the right to say that something is correct and, and good. We got we to wrestle with that. So here we are. In love with Jesus, we grieve our own sin. We're not primarily angry at other people for their sin. We would be brokenhearted uh, for them. We have to be really uh, eager and, and comfortable with, with embracing messiness. Here's the next thing, and you alluded to it. You Actually, you said it. We all have things we have to give up. We are all called to come and die. We take up our cross. We die to ourselves. We give up our agenda. There are things that are a part of me that I have to say no to. And everybody has that. Everybody has that. It is a supernatural act of God to be able to turn and trust and and follow Jesus. And we need his help in that um, everybody has things that are insurmountable on our own to overcome as we want to trust and follow Jesus. We are dependent on his spirit of work in us. In the area of sexuality, the journey is more difficult for some than it is for others. Mm -hmm. Some people deserve more patience, more gentleness, more kindness 
For some people, it's going to be easier in this aspect of their lives to follow Jesus. For some people, it's going to be more difficult for them to trust and follow Jesus. Somehow, we've got to recognize, maybe not us individually, maybe not even our church, but broadly speaking, American church culture, we've got that wrong. We've been mean and pushy and impatient and unkind with people who have a harder journey. Let's don't do that. Mm-hmm. Let's be the kind of let's be the kind of people where we remember we just can't judge a book by its cover. We don't see what people are carrying. We don't see the wounds that people have. We don't see the the insecurities and the fears and all of the stuff that we all carry. I was talking to somebody this morning at breakfast. I said, I don't think people believe me when I say, I think I'm the most insecure person I know. People don't believe me, (laughs) but I really do think I'm the most insecure person I know. You don't get to see the insecurity monster raging in my life. Mm. And now I have to turn and trust in Jesus with that. We don't always get to see what people are carrying. So let's be gentle. Let's be patient with each other in the way that Jesus was or is um, with us. Mm. And when we're... The people who say, yeah, 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 let's do that, then the answer is yes, we're ready. Mm-hmm. To the extent that we're not able to say yes, then to that extent we're not ready. And I don't I don't want to try to speak for our church in that regard. Our church, Autumn Ridge Church, will speak for itself through how we engage each other. Mm. That was a helpful answer. Thank you. I think let's leave it there. Okay. And uh, I think that would be good to reflect on a little bit more. We don't normally do this, um, and uh, I don't know what the theology of prayer is in podcasting, uh, but for anybody who's listening, I'd just like to pray for them. Yes, would you do that? Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful um, that your hands and your embrace are a safe place for us to be, that we can trust you with all of who we are, and we can even bring and be dangerously vulnerable and honest about the sins uh, that are in our lives. And in your grace and in your kindness, you cover that with what Jesus did for us. And you choose to only see his righteousness. And you make us co-heirs. You make us your, your children. You make us your ambassadors. You give us new life. And for anyone who's listening, who's struggling, who's wrestling for any reason whatsoever, God, I pray that they would see themselves as you see them. And God, for those of us who struggle to to see others appropriately, that we struggle to be gentle and kind and um, patient, God, that you would help us to see each other in the same way that you do. God, we depend on you for healing for transformation. We depend on you for the acceptance that we so desperately need. And we are grateful that it is so freely available to us all through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.